Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an awesome talk with Michigan Tech Head Strength and Conditioning Coach Matt Tomey. Matt has been a huge contributor to everything we do here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. Uh, he's been really instrumental in what we put together in the seminar, everything that we put online here. Matt has, uh, has his take and his input with it, and it's He's been somebody who's, who's been doing really, really big things up there in the UP with his student-athletes, and he's, he's had a huge effect on how we handle our kids down here at the university. And today, we're going to sit down and talk about exactly how we handle the training load with our student-athletes, and we're going to start out talking about what this optimal dose thing actually is and, and what it means to us. And it's a term that's really grown and, and kind of become a hot, sexy term in the last few years, so... We, we discuss what it means to us and, and how it impacts our training and how Dr. Yeses has had an effect on us when it, when it comes to looking at that, uh, you know, and, and how simplifying the training actually allows us to have greater specificity and individualization and, and make more alterations to the program throughout. Now, I know when people look at things that we do and how things are very repetitive and they, they look at that and like, well, how can it increase variation and and individualization and how can it allow you to, to adapt more? Well, we get into that quite a bit. and We talk then about how handling newer athletes uh, is something that we look at a little differently as well. Uh, just looking at certain principles and, and how those can affect how you handle your newer kids into your program. Matt gets into a really, really good talk and an explanation about how the program he uses builds from GPP to SPP and, and how those changes occur and, you know, again, the, the common themes that we've had in a lot of these talks, guys, is, is looking at an N of one when dealing with these student-athletes or, or whoever you may work with and, and how more typically tends to end out being less. Uh, it's a really great talk. Matt is super smart. He's one of the top guys that I know, and he's one of the people that I go to whenever I have a question. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this talk as much as I did. Uh, let's get right to it. Matt, awesome having you on, buddy. Uh, Thanks, really man. excited to really excited <laughs> to talk a little bit here about about some things that, that you know we've handled a little differently, I guess you could say, in, in the in the recent past up until now, and that would be you know how we handle the the entire training load. So so how about we we get started with that, and then we can we can pigeon tail off of that as we get moving. Yeah, and and you know like we said, there's. There are a lot of different ways we could go with this, uh, but you know, and I think that this concept of less is more is becoming a lot more mainstream. You know, which is which is a good thing. We're seeing you know we're seeing better results with reducing the training load, and you know, going back to Dr. Anatoly Bondarchuk, uh, you know, a lot of people know him for transfer of training, of course, but I don't think that, or I don't know if a lot of people re recognize that. He was one of the first people to talk about, or one of the pioneers to talk about how using lower loads in the 75 to 80% range or 8 to 10 reps uh, could produce better long-term results, especially when we're looking at maximum strength, than if we're going over 90%. Um, and, you know, we're really looking at that from a standpoint of uh, team sports athletes. You know, powerlifter is going to be a different situation, of course, different training goal. Uh, but you know, we found that that eight to ten rep range is really as high as we need to go. And uh, you know, with 
Dr. Yesis and his one by twenty program, we've we've actually started out well below that. You know, obviously a set of twenty, very low dose, low intensity, low volume. Uh, you know, it might be sixty percent, probably even less than that when we're talking about first starting, right? Um, so, you know, it's it kind of goes back. There was a quote that that I said at Cal's seminar a, a couple years ago in Minnesota, and I know you had quoted me on it. Really, should be attributed to Yosef Johnson, obviously, right? Yeah, I heard uh, for that too, by the way. What's that? I heard. Yeah, he gave it to me for that. Yeah, yeah. So he's the one with the with the with the quotes, but yeah, it really is. Uh, how do you know you're not doing too much until you've done too little? You know, how do we know where that bottom threshold is? I guess you could say, unless if we're just starting out overshooting it, you know, so with, with the one by 20, we, we deliberately start out well below that, you know, or we, you know, because, because in reality, it's, it's going to be a guess anyway. How do we know exactly what the optimal dose is for that athlete when we're looking at them? You know, it's hard to tell. So we got there somewhere. So let's start low and let's gradually progress. Um, and I think that's the, you know, that's the main idea behind, uh, or I guess I could say one of the primary principles behind Doc's program, and one of the things that makes it so effective. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, the the simplicity and the ease to add and take away from it, you know, is is always going to be something that's that's so um, important because. Doing things the same all the time, sort of, mm-hmm. um, will really open the doors for you to be able to to start to see where they either mentally fall off or physically fall off, or if they can handle the whole workout fine, but they just come back the next day and are, are garbage. Um, yeah, the... The simplicity of the program allows for very easy auto-regulation. Yeah. As well. well. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. Um, yeah. And it also is, is easily adaptable to, to how we monitor as well. You know, so it's right. no matter what you're doing, it's, it's easy to have a plan of action with it. You know, whether to go up, go down, or take things out, or whatever it may be. Uh, however you determine with that situation of that person the best way to do it um yeah but looking at it you know the the, one of the things that that people ask about all the time when it comes to the program is how the results could almost be because of a taper effect or a realization effect or the fact that you're doing so much less um that they're just resting and yeah. Now they're better. Um, let Let's go with that a bit. Yeah. That you know, obviously, yeah. If you have a if you have an athlete who has been doing quite a bit more, uh, which is pretty much uh, every athlete you know that you see coming in, or or they might have been doing nothing. I mean, I guess in some cases coming in as incoming freshman, you know. But either way, uh, if you decrease the load. Yeah, we're going to see pretty much an immediate result, and that's just that's just a delayed training effect, right? That's just a deload 
taper, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. But that, you know, again, we're talking about long-term effectiveness. So we've seen progression over time. I mean, I mean, it continues, continues for years and years. So it's not, it's not just that it's always a low load. We're progressing as we go little by little. And it's, you know, we add intensity, we decrease the amount of reps, we increase the number of sets as needed. So it's a, you know, it's, it's more of a, a way to find what the optimal load is than just a low load all the time. It's relative to the athlete. So starts out very low, then gradually progresses up till maybe we hit that threshold that's going to allow that athlete to adapt to a higher level. And then we just increase in small increments. Uh, you know, I think the other thing to point out here is if, if we start out with a lot more, uh, you know, well above that threshold, we could say, uh, then the delayed training effect is going to be a lot longer. So, uh, you know, we're going to hit them with a higher intensity or higher dose and they're going to need essentially more recovery or they might need a deload weaker at some point in there in order to see super compensation. Whereas with this, we start very low, and those very small increments of uh, you know of uh, progression allow that athlete to adapt to each each stage as they go, and uh, we see very consistent and long term improvement in that way. Um, it's very effective, very efficient. Yeah, you know, I think part of me would argue that they are right. Um, that there is that initial spike or when we see these people improving early on, uh, it is from the decreased in volume. Yeah, for sure. But, for sure, immediate, immediately, right? Right, but even yeah. more so like through the whole first year, you could say that. And I would say it's because we found a more efficient stimulus. Yeah. Um, that they're able to recover from and step up, recover from and step up, recover from and step up. You know, I, I think that one of the things in just basic physiology that everybody knows and everybody talks about that gets so overlooked in the training process is that when you're new to training, you have that massive training effect that just comes from Basic neurological, you know, facilitation. Just the coordination from doing things, both intramuscularly and, and um, throughout your, your whole body. But we do that and we utilize that in many um, situations at probably a higher volume and intensity than would be required for that initial effect may we call yeah. it, to take place. Um, I mean, we know that initially when kids start training, especially if they're a newbie, they may not actually be, quote, getting stronger. They're just getting better at doing the stuff. Yeah. So why would we want to do 30 reps at X when we only needed to do 20 reps at 75% of X? And we can do that three days through the week because they're not so sore they 
you know, fall down the stairs and walk around like Bambi on ice. Yeah. I, I think that that's one part with Doc's programming and, you know, the way that all of us kind of have our own twist on it and, and Yosef has adapted it to, to help all of us that is really overlooked is that initial building block is just the facilitation and building that and then all the fitness components that come with it piggyback on it because we've been moving slow enough that now we start to develop those things if that yeah. makes sense yeah i mean and i guess it and i don't know if this is exactly what you're saying but maybe it's just the the novelty of the stimulus yeah you know, but like from the program yeah yes. because it's it's i mean even if you don't have a new athlete this is very different so no even if I, you know, when I came here and I had juniors and seniors who had been training already, uh, the novelty of the stimulus, it still provided some, you know, some uh, amount of inflammation, I guess you could say, that allowed for adaptation. Right. And I 100% agree. But I'm saying, I guess, more with when we get these freshmen that come in that are newer cats, instead of starting them with a 5x5 five five or a 3x10, if really what we know is going to happen is just this rewiring effect, I think keeping this ultra-low dose that we would call the 1x20 and building from that seems to be an even more efficient way because it's... it's Using it's taking that completely for what it is, as opposed to trying to push them through to to build on something that mistakenly might not be ready to be there yet. Yeah, and you know maybe maybe hitting on that point of uh, like, that we really can't force adaptation. No, we can't. You know, it's it's physiology. What we can, we can do is. We can provide the best or the optimal environment, I guess you could say. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, obviously training load like we're talking about now, but then also recovery means nutrition, sleep, everything. So providing that optimal environment for adaptation, but we can't force the process. It's going to happen how it's going to happen. Uh, and that's going to happen differently for different athletes. Yeah. No too. So kind of allowing that to happen in the beginning. You know, allowing them to adapt. Yeah, you know, and that's where, like, you know, recovery means are kind of one of the sexy things right now, obviously. But uh, the, the one thing that I think people need to remember with all of that is definitely less is more, especially in that case, because you don't want to fight the adaptive process. You want to, you know, uh, one of our coaches... Uh, loves those things and almost fights to have them being used like cold tubbing almost every day and, and the line was you know do you, do you want to use the nuke to start the war or end the war yeah. you know you're only going to get so much out of that so it's keeping in mind that the the two most important well three are probably your nutrition your sleep and your stress management and right. everything else falls in behind that yeah so you know with with the recovery methods, it's we shouldn't be 
you know, we shouldn't use them unless needed, really. And uh, if the if the dose is actually optimal, taking in, you know, it's obviously it's not just us working with the kids, you know, clearly. Uh, but uh, you know, if that dose is optimal, we shouldn't need those recovery methods. Right. Those would probably be used more often during an in-season period, uh, you know, when peaking. But uh, but otherwise, we shouldn't need those recovery methods. And just like training, you're going to adapt to them. So yeah, if you're cold tubbing every day, in the same temperature water for the same duration, you're going to adapt to that recovery method. It's no longer going to be a stimulus. Right. It's not going to work anymore. No, it's just going to be so, the thing it does. Overusing them, you know, it's it's just as bad as squatting the same amount of weight for the same number of reps for the entire off season. Right. Not going to get anywhere. Right. So then. Let's talk about the efficiency with this then. How, how has this kind of approach to, to managing the training load helped you get from point A to point B with your kids? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we spoke about results a lot, but I, I think just in general, you know, looking at it, it's really we need probably one to two off-seasons uh, and it depends on the, the guy. I've seen I've seen people develop or athletes develop great base level strength. Uh, you know, GPP uh, within one off season even. Um, but most often we could say two off seasons and we have a very good base of strength. Uh, very good strength numbers, well over you know what's needed for basketball or even what's needed for football. And uh, what that has allowed us to do is, from there, just shift the focus. Not that we're not doing specialized stuff earlier on, but shift the focus to be uh, to have a greater percentage of our training be more specialized, and you know, start developing different types of strength, different velocities. Um, maybe again, add sets or. Add intensity to the specialized work. Increase increase the importance of dynamic correspondence. Really, is what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that efficiency of GPP has allowed us to say, okay, we've got a great base built uh, very quickly. Now, let's maintain that. Maybe progress that a little bit. But now we can kind of move on, and we can focus more on how this is going to transfer to performance. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that building specialized exercises and building special strengths, um, which are two different things, mm-hmm. are, are very, very important. And, and one of the, the things that, that really can, can just piggyback their way in, because like you said, when, when you get to a point where you have an individual who... I mean, it's, you know, like Jeff and I talked about, you know, strong enough is, a, is like a bourbon in a, or beer conversation. You know, that's yeah. that's like sitting at the bar, you know, BSing for a while. But when, you, when you're at a point where you determine that that doesn't, that no longer needs to be like a primary focus, um, implementing those in place of isn't really the word, but you, you, I think you understand like in, in along with but overlapping with those things um, 
are, is really where the, the neat stuff and the magic kind of happens and, and when it gets a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're, where you get to add the cool stuff in. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And, and when they, when you see stuff and they, that's when you have, um, a lot of like, like aha moments with kids, like, a, and a lot of like the same kids will have like a lot of aha moments. Like, Oh, like that's what he meant. Oh, that's what's supposed to feel like. And yeah. then, you know, um, Oh, that's that's how I'm supposed to move with this, you know. When when they when these things all just kind of you know gel together, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it gets really really exciting. And you know, to add to that, and maybe to clarify, it's not that early on we do no specialized work and we only do GPP because we are able to do specialized work early on. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe not as great of a percentage of our total training volume. Right. Right. And, um, you know, and even, even Bondarchuk, who talks about uh, specialized training, a great percentage of his work is still GPP. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's doing a lot of specialized exercises, but still using a lot of general exercises along with those. And the majority of his training is still general um, when you talk about percentage. Um, but uh, what, what the lower dosage with Doc's program allows us to do throughout the process is integrate that specialized work and see transfer very quickly. You know, it's not like we're, we're just building GPP for these two years and then we're going to get it to transfer. It's okay, you know, yeah, a greater percentage might be GPP, but we're still getting transfer and we're still able to do specialized exercises and get good adaptation from that specialized work because the GPP focus or the GPP portion is not eating up as many, you know, adaptation reserves, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. No, it's, it's just like the whole two-line yeah. graph idea. When it starts, general's way up here, specialized way down here, and they just slowly switch. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's always, you've got an hour to train them. 50 minutes early on might be the GPP stuff. Ten minutes might be specialized, and by the time, you know, Steve's a senior, it might be fifty minutes of specialized stuff, and ten minutes of general stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, and that's what's neat too is, is is how. How simply it's just laid out right in front of you, and it's just a matter of catching the, catching the right time to to make the changes. Yeah. Yeah, um, being able to recognize that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even if you miss it, it's not a bad thing. No, I, I mean, it's not going to be exact. It's not going to, and especially in a team setting, it's, you know, you just got to look at the average, I guess. Yeah, but, um, but you can recognize when that's probably enough for that position or that particular guy, and mm-hmm. uh, we can probably you know, progress him on or her on or whatever to something else now. Yeah. So Yeah. Let's talk about that then. So let's let's talk about deciding when to progress because it is easy to be efficient. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about going, you know, we I just mentioned Steve, who went from fifty <laughs> minutes and ten minutes to fifty minutes and ten minutes. Yeah. Um, so how are we going to get Steve there? Uh, how are we going to progress? I think. Yeah. So what are you, you know, going to look for? 
Well, again, we're looking partially. I'm looking at some of Bondarchuk's numbers, some of his correlations. Um, you know, we can correlate some of the track and field sprinters and jumpers and their numbers with uh, basketball players, or we can look at some of the throwers and squat numbers and those types of things with uh, with football players, possibly. Um, but you know, it's almost it's almost more important. Uh, from what both you and I have seen with, with this program is not getting carried away with strength because uh, it develops so quickly. It's almost like you just need to sit back and go, all right, yeah, they are squatting a lot, but you know, like, do they really need to squat more? Is it going to uh, improve their performance any further or not? And so, you know, maybe if you're, you know, well, what you should be doing is monitoring their progression. And if you're not, yeah, you're seeing improvements in their squat or improvements in some general exercises, those are continually rising, but, you know, speed measures are not, then I think that's a clear indicator that we need to move on and we need a different stimulus. You know, so whether it's, because it, the number is going to be different for everybody, right? Right. You know, uh, you know the number is going to be different for every position and every sport. Um, you know, what they actually need to hit. Uh, and probably every body type, too, might be a little different. Uh, so it's more of a matter of just making sure you stay on top of monitoring, watching how their performance changes and things that are more relevant to their sport, and, and saying, is getting their squat from 650 to 700 really going to make a big difference? Um, you know, probably not, but maybe getting their squat from 135 to 205 would make a huge difference, you know? So it's just a matter of, a matter of recognizing, do we need more strength at this point or is this really getting us anywhere from a performance standpoint or not? Yeah. You know, and that piggybacks in great with what Kevin and I just talked about. And that is understanding that, you know, and now this is different because our situations are so different where it's just you and it's, just me only it's just me with one team and Mm -hmm. it's just you with one whole athletic department um so looking at this it might be a little more difficult um but looking at really the n of one and what that person you know like position is is extremely important and, and body type and size is very important but looking at is that person where they were before are they better than where they were you know, later or not, and what is going to be the needed change? Are the things that are improving, improving that individual person, or are we improving the wrong things? And looking at it through simple measures of like a 10 or a vertical or, you know, Moyer uh, used the long jump, Kier mm-hmm. uses a long jump um, because they're simple and they're quick. Um, yeah. You know, like a long jump, like if you guys didn't have that indoor facility, a long jump up in the UP is probably the best you could do. Um, yeah. Because otherwise you're jumping out of the second story, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it would be something that, that that you can correlate and find as long as that's moving north, then, then you're okay, then, then you're on the right path. And it's not so much that just because my squat went from 405 to 410 doesn't mean I went better. If my 
10 dropped a half a tenth, a couple yeah. hundredths, whatever it may be, we know we're moving in the right direction. Um, and I think that people look at a lot of these supportive exercises, like a squat or a bench, as being overly important in what their role is in the grand scheme of things, which is to make them better at an actual sporting exercise, not make them a better power lifter. Um, and that's not to sit here and say that either of us don't like lifting heavy stuff and we don't right. like our guys to lift heavy stuff. It's just that I like to watch them get better at what gets better at sport. Um, yeah, it's a, a matter of not training the exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's not training the general exercise. We're training to improve the competition exercise. Oh, no doubt. You know, but people sometimes are, are a little bit too, too married to the training exercise. Right. And I'm not going to say if that's good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just going to say that at the end of the day, we need to make sure that they're getting better at their sport as well. And that's where I think this allows us to make those quick, easy changes because that cut from 20 to 14 is huge. Yeah. You know, that cut from 14 to 8 is, is massive because you're not just going from 14 to 8. It's not just 6, so it's almost a 50% drop. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're going from 28 to 16. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, you know, when, you, when you look at it, oh, I'm sorry, not 28. You're going from 42 to 16 because yeah. you're cutting down the days. So it's, it's, it's an even bigger decrease, which allows for more energy to ex be expended at those higher transfer type activities. Um, right. But again, that just comes back to how efficient and simple the, the whole thing is. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy to, like you said before, take away or add or put in whatever you need, whenever you need to, you know, and, and change the dose as needed, auto-regulate as needed, and increase specificity as needed. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of that is it's hard to explain because it becomes more intuitive. You know, you see, you, you learn how to recognize that. You just learn how to watch for it. And it, and it, the, the, the philosophical aspect of it can be brought in, even if people are sitting here listening and they're just going, Oh, it's DeMeo talking about one by 20 again. Um, the, the philosophical part of it can go with anything. You know, like Kier said it best, you know, if, if you can get something done in two sets and you're doing four sets, you know, you might be making a mistake. If you, if you take away and you see that they get better, maybe if you take away a little more, they'll continue to get better. And it's still just following a general linear progression yeah. of increasing intensity, decreasing volume. It's the same ideas that most people would do. We just have a, a little less of everything, except for probably exercise selection. Right. Um, and, and 
so it's not something to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. It would be something where you can start just simply looking at where we're starting, where we're trying to go, what we deem is important, and then looking at how these things are progressing and then, you know, give yourself a little haircut every now and then. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to add the, like, you know, we first started talking about this, the whole less is more concept. Uh, yeah, it can take on many different forms. And this is just, this is basically how we do less, mm-hmm. you know, and still progress. You yeah. Know, that's how, that's how we, uh, you know, conceptualize this philosophy, I right. guess you could say. No, I think that's said perfectly is it's it is just coming back to less is more and what we can do to be more efficient because the one thing that our two situations have that are are very much in common is an extremely high level of academic stress yeah like super smart kids going to super smart college and now my guys might be in a little bit more of a hamstrung situation but yeah, yeah, it's just a little, but <laughs> it's, yeah. it's also keeping that minimalist backing down, making sure we're moving in the right direction approach helps take that into account. Yeah. Because there's only so much stress that you can take in before you're either sick or you're stagnant or you're overtrained or whatever it may be. Yeah, going backwards, yeah. Mm -hmm. Matt, this is an awesome talk, and I really hope that people understand where we're going with this and and how this whole program started to evolve and where it's brought us in our path and and at least can take a step back and look at what they're doing and say, maybe if I do just a little less, we'll get a little better. Yeah, for sure, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having (laughs) me. Appreciate you taking the time to be with us, buddy. And uh, we'll catch up real soon, bro. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Huge thank you to today's guest, Michigan Tech Strength and Conditioning Coach Matt Tomey, uh, for sitting down and and really kind of shedding some light on some things there. Guys, again, it's just another awesome talk. We're looking at a lot of things that you could take home here, looking at how we can develop student-athletes, how we can look to progress student-athletes, understanding the the role of our position moving from GPP to SPP and understanding how we can we can handle young kids and, and move them throughout. You know, Matt is a, a super coach. He's a super guy. He's a person that's helped me out a ton. So I, I, I hope that you guys were able to take something from this. And as always, if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, leave them below. We really are trying to open some more dialogue here, guys. So if there's any questions you got for Tommy, Leave them there, and I'm sure that we'll get right to them and get them up on the site. And as always, if you did enjoy it, please share the information, guys. Just trying to get good quality content out there from great coaches to to people to help the profession keep moving forward. And as always, thank you so much for being a part of Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another fantastic guest.